There was a lot of talk over the weekend about how the Trump administration has fared during its first 100 days. But now, let's take a look at what Democrats have achieved over that same period. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer has steadfastly refused to negotiate or compromise with the administration in any way. In a bold statement of principle, Schumer told reporters, quote, I won't, I won't, I won't, no, 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 you can't make me, you're not the boss of me, I won't, I won't, I won't, unquote. Schumer then lay down on his stomach and pounded his fists against the floor while drumming his feet and saying he didn't want to go to bed and it wasn't fair because the Republicans got to stay up late and watch all the good television shows. Schumer finally calmed down when George Soros gave him a big fuzzy check, which he rubbed against his face with one hand while sucking the thumb of the other. He's been napping quietly ever since. On the House side, Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi has had a very productive 100 days. In a speech she made to a potted plant while applying lipstick to her forehead, Pelosi said, quote, President Obama or President Trump, whichever one is the one I'm not supposed to like, has done many stupid things like trying to create jobs when everyone knows that unemployment is the greatest driver of the economy in Peru or whatever country this happens to be. That's why we have to pass a bill to find out what's in it or vice versa, depending on who's in office. What was I saying? Who am I? Unquote. Mrs. Pelosi then swiveled on her heel and strode proudly away until she smacked into the wall, stumbled backwards, tripped over a chair, slid across the floor into the hall, and went bumpity-bump down the stairs on her backside until she flew out the front door. At that point, she remarked, quote, boy, that hasn't happened to me since Thursday, unless this is Thursday, unquote. Hillary Clinton spent the last hundred days making important policy speeches, submitting a budget to Congress and ordering military intervention in Libya until friends explained to her once again that she had in fact lost the election, whereupon she began to whimper quietly and was gently escorted back to bed. And of course, former President Barack What's his name? Spent the first hundred days of the Trump administration yachting with billionaire friends and collecting exorbitant speaking fees to address Wall Street bankers. Former President Obama was overheard telling anyone who would listen, quote, I do think at a certain point you've made enough money, but damned if I can figure out when that is. Personally, for me, I'm thinking it'll be about the time I can ski down a mountain of gold coins and hundred dollar bills like Scrooge McDuck while shouting, I care about the poor. Ha 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 ha. Quote. So all in all, it hasn't been a great hundred days for the Democrats, but then think how much worse it would be if they actually were in power. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. Hooray, the Clavenless weekend is over, and you know what that means? It means the president of all trolls, Michael Knowles, our cultural correspondent, has been helicoptered here from his Fox and Friends hit that <laughs> he was on. You know, I mean, he's descended to being on our show again, and he will be uh, talking with us about the culture. You know, when you see, you know, people like Knowles and the other people who are on the show, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why doesn't he use ZipRecruiter.com, you know? <laughs> surely, surely just standing out on the street saying, want to do a radio show is not the way to bring people into your staff. With ZipRecruiter, if you want the perfect hire, see what you got to do is you got to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can with ZipRecruiter.com. You can post your job to 200 plus job sites, including social media networks like 
Facebook, and Twitter, all with a single click. You can find candidates in any city, any industry, nationwide. You just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. I almost burst into tears when I read this, when I think of the people I could have had working here if I had only used ZipRecruiter.com. It's been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, the people who are painfully listening to the show can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. It's free. I mean, they're giving it away. You just go there, you press ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire, all one word, all together. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Don't let this happen to you. All right. You know, over the weekend, Donald Trump defended the Second Amendment, stood in front of the NRA, who are justifiably thrilled, right, with what he has done with by appointing Gorsuch to the Supreme Court and uh, Jeff Sessions as Attorney General, he made he made fun of the press. Well, that's what we're gonna we've got to talk about. What he did to the press, he appointed a pro-life advocate to a top communications post at Health and Human Services, and he announced they're going to get rid of Michelle Obama's idiotic school lunch standard. So it was like a good. It was actually a pretty good, flavorless weekend. You know. If, if Donald Trump had done nothing else in his first 100 days but expose the news media for what it is, for the fact that they are a bunch of, that they are a Democrat Pravda, you know, that they are just a one-party, one-party operatives with press cards, it would, be, it would be worth it. It would be worth it, you know? I mean, well, the, the jury is out on legislation, on health care and tax reform, may pull it off. I think he might. We don't know how good it'll be when it comes, but... You know, just this thing he has done to this dishonest press. The White House correspondents had their big dinner, and he didn't show up. Trump didn't show up, which is what they do every year. And so, you know, usually the president shows up, and he makes fun of them, and they make fun of him. Except if it's Obama, they really don't make fun of him. And Obama, you know, kind of is is coddles them. Whereas if it's George W. Bush or Donald Trump, they rip him to pieces. They rip him to pieces. So Trump said... Screw it. I'm not going to show up. So just to compare, just so we can compare for a minute. Here is Trump uh, on number cut five. Here's Trump at his enormous rally in Pennsylvania where he was celebrating his first hundred days. Here's him talking about the media. Media outlets like CNN and MSNBC are fake news. Fake news. And they're sitting and they're wishing in Washington. They're watching right now. They're watching and they would love to be with us right here tonight. But they're trapped at the dinner, which will be very, very boring. But next year, maybe we'll make it more exciting for them in Washington and will show up. But we have a good chance of showing up here again next year, too. <laughs> so he's having fun, the people are having fun. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the press is in this dingy little room being broadcast on C-SPAN, right? And they've got this comedian, Hassan Minhaj, right? And I guess that's to show how, how tolerant we are of Muslims. Unfortunately, they didn't tell them about the Quranic uh, rule that you can't be funny because Hassan Minhaj was like a completely laugh-free performance. Here's just a clip. We gotta address the elephant that's not in the room. 
the leader of our country is not here. And that's because he lives in Moscow. It is a very long flight. It'd be hard for Vlad to make it. Vlad can't just make it on a Saturday. It's a Saturday. As for the other guy, I think he's in Pennsylvania because he can't take a joke. Now, for the nine people watching on C-SPAN, there also was another elephant in the room, but Donald Trump Jr. shot it and cut off its tail. Guy, I mean, it really, it, Samantha Bee did her alternative uh, White House correspondence dinner, and that was, all, she is like completely unfunny. Also, she's from Canada. Why are all these late, there's a British guy on yeah. late night TV, all, all of them come here and criticize our president. You know, it's like, go away, go home, and we don't need you. Anyway, she was unfunny. Trump was hilarious. Trump was having a great time. My favorite part of the media White House. So now the media is it, they've been completely marginalized. Now, I'm not going to I've just decided, by the way, just as a as a production note, I'm no longer using media as a plural anymore. I've always been really careful to always say the media are and all this stuff. But I realize that the media has now become a collective noun like parliament or Congress. Right. And in the, the British would say even when they use a collective noun, they say parliament are sitting because I think they really just do it to mess with us, but that's, that, that is the way what we use uh, single verbs for collective nouns. So I'm just gonna say the media is from now on. And if I, you know, I, I guess I'm just sick of it. I'm, damn, I'm sick and tired of it. Now I do a really good conservative, I'm sick and tired of our media. Anyway, so what I love is the media is now the, the poor little victims, right? Because they're all leftists and leftists have to be victims. So the, the president of the White House Correspondent Association, Jeff Mason, gets up and he, he wants to say that we're not what that mean Trump says we are. Okay, this is cut three. We are not fake news. We are not failing news organizations. And we are not the enemy of the American people. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Wow, it's, it's, it's almost like the press has turned into Richard Nixon. It's like the press. Richard Nixon used to cover up. Now the press covers up. Richard Nixon lied. Now it's the press who lied. You know, it's amazing the way they just, he just transformed right in front of our face. I think the lesson from Richard Nixon is when you got to tell people that you're not a liar, you might be a liar. <laughs> you might be a liar. I mean, if these guys are not in a bubble, and I know I've said this before, but it is worth repeating, the chief journalist at ABC is George Snuffleupagus, the guy from Suckleupagus, the guy from who told Hillary Clinton, I love you, Hillary. This is a Clinton operative, right? The president of CBS News is David Rhodes, brother of Ben Rhodes from the uh, Obama administration. Comcast, which owns NBC, is run by a major Democratic donor. So is CBS. Time, so is Time Warner, which owns CNN. I mean, these guys, if these guys aren't in a bubble, Instapundit, one of my favorite sites, uh, Glenn Reynolds, published today, republished today, a, an article from October 2016, okay? October 2016 is less than a month away from the last election, right? Am I right about it? Yes. Here's the article. Hillary Clinton is so far ahead of Donald Trump in the race for the presidency that she no longer even feels the need to pay attention to the Republican nominee. Buoyed by a double-digit lead in some national polls, Mrs. Clinton has said she is now looking past Mr. Trump entirely and will no longer counter allegations by her rival. I don't even think about responding to him anymore, Mrs. Clinton said when asked about Mr. Trump's charge that American media outlets are in cahoots with her presidential campaign. I don't even think about it anymore. I 
I'm so far ahead. I read it in the newspaper. These guys are living in a complete bubble. So now they have to be the sad little victims. And our First Amendment rights are terribly, terribly under attack. Here is the other part of Mason's spiel, basically, where he gets up and says, oh, you know, we are here to defend this embattled press. An attack on any of us is an attack on all of us. At previous dinners, we have rightly talked about the threats to press freedoms abroad. Tonight, we must recognize that there are threats to press freedoms here in the United States. We must remain vigilant. The world is watching. What threats? What threats? I mean, be specific. What threats? That Trump calls you a liar when you lie? What threats? This is the fantasy world of the left, and this is, it's, it is, it's huge. It's huge. The fantasy world, they are living in a complete fantasy. Here, I got to give a hat tip to Jazz Shaw of Hot Air, who's great. Uh, Hot Air is great, and Jazz Shaw is terrific. But he pointed this out. Reince Priebus goes on uh, uh, the Jonathan Carl show on ABC, and they're going to bring on Ann Coulter later to talk about free speech. And Carl says, well, you know, in keeping with this, let's talk about the terrible threats from Donald Trump to free speech. Here's Reince Priebus. Of course, there's a big controversy at Berkeley over freedom of speech. I want to ask you about two things the president has said on related issues. First of all, there was what he said about opening up the libel laws, uh, tweeting, the failing New York Times has disgraced the media world, gotten me wrong for two solid years, change the libel laws. That would require, as I understand it, a constitutional amendment. Is he really going to pursue that? Is that something he wants to pursue? I think it's something that we've looked at um, and how that gets executed or whether that goes anywhere is a different story. But when you have articles uh, out there that have no basis or fact and we're sitting here on 24-7 cable uh, companies writing stories about constant contacts with Russia and all these other matters. Do so you think the no president should be able to all, sue the that, New York Times for that, stories he doesn't like? I think. I, think that, I think that newspapers and news agencies need to be more responsible with how they report the news. Okay. Okay. Now here is Talking Points Memo, a left-wing site, Josh Marshall. Priebus, Trump considering amending or abolishing First Amendment. That's the headline. Trump is considering. First, first of all, it was Jonathan Carl who said that we would have to change the First Amendment to ch pass a law. You never have to change any amendment to pass a law. You can pass a law saying the president can sue The New York Times for libel and the Supreme Court can say, no, that's not in keeping with the First Amendment. That would ha be how that works. OK, so you don't have to there's no amending the First Amendment. No one was ever talking about that except Jonathan Carl, because Jonathan Carl is living in the fantasy of the press. OK. So then, then you go on with this, and he says, Carl says accurately that that kind of clampdown on First Amendment rights would require amending the Constitution. It's not accurate, okay? And one might respond to this saying, okay, technically, that's what he said, but he probably actually didn't mean it. You know, I mean, this is the great threat that they're under, that, that Donald Trump has basically accused them of being Democrat, the Democrat Pravda when they are. This is the terrible, terrible threat. But... But there's a really interesting piece in the Chicago Tribune. I'm going to have to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube, which means you're going to miss the president of all trolls. This is not just any troll that we're bringing you. Michael Knowles has been elected by all the little trolls with their hair coming out. They all got together and said, we elect Michael Knowles to be the president of all the trolls. And he's going to be with us on thedailywire.com. If you come to the site, you can see it all, and especially if you subscribe, which you should.
We're just painting. Uh, <laughs> all right. Here is John Cash, Cass, K-A-S-S, in the Chicago Tribune, talking about freedom of speech. The lie we were told as kids was this. The end of American liberty would come at the hands of the political right. Conservatives would take away our right to speak our minds and use the power of government to silence dissent. The right would intimidate our teachers and professors and coerce the young. And then, with the universities in thrall, with control of the apparatus of the state and the education bureaucracy, the right would have dominion over a once free people. This is the lie, he says, we were told. Some of us were taught this in school. Others who couldn't be bothered to read books were fed a cartoon version of the diabolical conservative in endless movies and TV shows. The most entertaining of these were science fiction, sometimes with vague reference to men in brown shirts and black boots goose-stepping in some future time. Women would become handmaids, subjugated and turned into breeders, and men would be broken as well. The more lurid fantasies offered armies of Luddites in hooded robes, hunting down subversives for the greater good. But the lie is obvious now, isn't it? Because it is not conservatives who coerced today's young people or made them afraid of ideas that challenge them. Conservatives did not shame people into silence or send thugs out on college campuses to beat down those who wanted to speak. The left did all that. It's there in front of you, the thuggish mobs of the left killing free speech at American universities. The thugs call themselves antifas for anti-fascists. They beat people up and break things and set fires and intimidate and intimidate. These are not anti-fascists. These are fascists. This is what fascists do. Some wear masks to cover their faces or hide bike locks and scarves and swing them at the heads of any who disagree. They're all about intimidation. And intimidation on a national scale so angry and violent is a fascist thing of the left. And the only the only issue with that that I would take is that there was a day, there was a day when the right were the censors. They were trying to censor books like Ulysses. They were trying to censor movies for content they didn't like and all this. It's powerful people who, who censor things. The left won the culture. The left has won the culture everywhere. It won the educational system. It won Hollywood. It won, um, it won the news media. So now they have the power. There was a time when this was basically culturally a conservative country. It is now no longer. In the days when it was a conservative country, yes, the right were the censors. Now it's a, it's a leftist country culturally, so the left wants to, to silence the right everywhere. They want to silence the right everywhere by violence if necessary. That's where the threat is. But the threat always lies with the powerful. The threat always lies with the powerful, and that is why the First Amendment has to be defended. So speaking of... This fantasy that Cass is talking about, in which, in which uh, the right, in which the right of the, the oppressors, here is. Let us now introduce. We are proud, so pleased, and proud to have with us the president of all trolls, Michael Knowles. Congratulations on your election to president of all the trolls. You, for your sins, and let's face it, you deserve it, you have been forced to watch The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale. I thought I had it made. I thought my life was going to be smooth sailing from that blank book. And then the Clavenless Weekend crushed me. This was the worst one in a very long time. Really? This This was worse than Barry. Oh man! This was worse than oh, Southside oh, with you. That, that hurts. It hurts, yeah. hurts just to hear that, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was really, really bad. The trouble with the hand. Well, I'll tell you what. Like, can we play the trailer for The Handmaid's Tale just in case anyone hasn't seen it? 
I was asleep before. That's how we let it happen. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. Now I'm awake. My name is Alfred. I had another name. Ladies, I have to let you go. It's the law now. They needed to do it this way. All the bank accounts and the jobs all at the same time. You imagine the airports otherwise? Run, run, run. Right. I think you get the idea that it's women being fired from their jobs. Women being fired, their bank accounts being closed. As you can see, Margaret Atwood paints with a very subtle brush. <laughs> this is based on the Margaret Atwood novel. That's right. This and is, women basically are enslaved. Is that? Yeah. The Margaret Atwood novel, which came out in 1985 and is widely said to have been a reaction to President Ronald Reagan, uh, it depicts a world in which the religious right, the Christian right, has taken over the country. They've installed heaven forfend social conservatism, and it's this uh, repressive dystopia. So women are basically chattel. Uh, they're forced to reproduce. Uh, they can't have jobs or bank accounts. The men control everything, and uh, they're... and Wait, they're, this is a dystopian? This is... <laughs> oh, <I'm sorry. laughs> I was shocked. Apparently, yeah, it isn't a comedy. Yeah, yeah. No, this is, I know, yeah. No, the, the, uh, the book which you have read... I have read the book, thank, yeah. God, you didn't make me read this book, too. I only had to watch the show. Uh, apparently, the show is is very faithful to the... Okay. And, and I, I will say, the writing is just simply awful. Uh, the great comedian Norm MacDonald called it subpar science fi trash and said that Margaret Atwood should apologize for her execrable writing. He was too charitable in his review. Um, but the I can't blame the acting. The acting is bad, but it's not the actor's fault that the acting is okay. bad. Some, some parts of it are quite good. It, the, the directing is really awful, and the writing is really awful, and so it doesn't give the performances anywhere to go or to breathe. Okay. Yeah, because Elizabeth Moss is usually... A good she's a tremendous yeah, actress. Yeah. She's really good, but the everyone in it is a good actor. Right, in other right. things. Yeah. yeah, but uh, the performances are really awful. Um, I, I could barely get through it. I mean, really? the writing is so unbelievable. It's so obviously flies in the face of reality. So there's no tenor of truth in any of it. So it's evil Christians basically oppressing women. Evil Christians, evil right wing Christians. So let's see how the mainstream media. Oh, I can't to it. wait! I can't wait. Uh, the Daily Beast. The Handsmaid's Tale could happen to us. The Daily Free Press. The Handsmaid's Tale is a terrifying adaptation of a relevant novel. Uh, Touré, who is that commentator who, oh, yeah. for some reason, gets airtime, yeah. uh, it seems more present than ever. The historical ball has bounced toward them in their favor. Entertainment Weekly, The Handmaid Tale hits a little close to home. Uh, the, the New Yorker, Margaret Atwood, prophet of dystopia. Her fiction has imagined societies riddled with misogyny, oppression, and environmental havoc. These visions now feel all too real. Oh, my God. Oh, it goes on. Jezebel, the misogynist future of Who Lose the Handsmaid's Tale, is terrifyingly within reach. And, and this is the worst of them all from Bustle. The Handsmaid's Tale is just the book we need to see on screen right now. And that is fake news. That is not <laughs> true. It is like, it is... I mean, what, is there any, in all those articles, is there one specific thing that uh, maybe, maybe their, their, their sacred abortion rights are the only thing I can think of that they might lose? Is there anything that... It's incredible. There is a scene in the first episode of this show, of the Hulu adaptation, where the villains are describing 
how uh, awful abortion was. They're describing a world of abortion, and now we're in a world without abortion. And these are the villains, just, just embodying evil because we don't think babies ought to be killed. <laughs> and uh, it, what's really incredible about it is that these dystopias have existed before. There, there is a world in which uh, there's a country actually six months ago where nine women received 40 lashes each for wearing trousers. And, and there's, huh. a, there's another country where women can't open bank accounts, just like in The Handmaid's Tale. They uh, can't try on clothes when shopping, compete in sports, use public swimming pools, interact with men, this, or drive a car. This is Alabama we're talking that about. Was, I know you would think it's France <laughs> yeah, or England. No, no, no. It is uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. Saudi yeah. Arabia is that, wait, wait, wait. What, what is it about Saudi Arabia that makes them treat women like that, I, Michael Knowles? Are there, I, can't, I can't tell. There are a lot of Christian Republicans in Saudi Arabia. Oh, it's the Christians right? in Saudi Arabia that are doing Of course. Of that course, that yeah. is really the, the travesty. I mean, that, that's why this, this is such a hollow show. Obviously, it takes a feminist ideological view, so it's a, it is a fantasy. It has to become a fantasy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, what's so absurd is, of course, they can hit the Christians, and of course, they can hit conservative Americans, and the reason is they will face not a single consequence for doing that. But of course, if they had uh, criticized places where this stuff actually occurs in Islamic countries, all of their, their heads would be would have a price on them. You know, that is I, I, I that is so true. I mean, that is so true. It is this complete and you know, this is I'm always picking on the right because we have not built an infrastructure to receive art in the, in this way. I mean, you, what you are saying, I'm, you're the only person I've heard say it. You're the only person I've heard point out the fact that it's not Christians who do this to women. In fact, Christian societies are the where women have become free. And the storyline is so insidious because they show, you know, uh, different people have been hanged, liberals and free thinkers. Right, right, right. And they show a, a priest, a Catholic priest has been hanged and some cathedrals have been toppled. Yeah. And I suppose what they're trying to do is suck up to some Christians and say it's not all Christians, just those evil Puritans. I see. You know, the Puritans who created the so society that allows you <laughs> to put this drivel forward to its public. That, that is just amazing. And, but you're absolutely right. If they had simply shown this to be Saudi Arabia and Islam right this minute, doing this to women right now. I mean, there, there was that story I was talking about last week in Dubai where a British woman reported being gang raped and they accused her of having sex out of wedlock. I mean, that was, you know, you, you're the, I, I don't mean to laugh, but the, the mind explodes. If they had simply told the truth about what Islam is doing right this minute, it would have been Islamophobic, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And you see all over social media, people sharing this, saying it's courageous. We have to share this now. This is That's what the resistance looks like. If you want to see courage, talk to Salman Rushdie. Yeah. Talk to Ayan Hirsi Ali. Right. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of courage in Elizabeth Moss, who's a terrific actress, but I don't see a lot of courage in taking on a feminist, fantastical role. And by the way, Margaret Atwood, the uh, writer you know, behind this show, did say that this show is it's too wild for fiction because Donald Trump is too unbelievable for fiction. She only writes things that have happened before and will happen again. Well, wow. they are happening wow. right now, but she's looking in the wrong place. The Donald, the Donald, run for your lives, ladies. The Donald <laughs> is on the march. All right. Well, thank you, President uh, Tro of the Trolls, President Michael Knowles. We, <laughs> we're glad to have you have you with us. As, it just is amazing. This is actually what I want to talk about this week on the Stuff I Like segment. You know, conservatives 
all people who love stories and tell stories understand that sto- a story can't be good unless it is in some way essentially true. That good stories always have truth in them. And so we feel protected from the left in some sense because we feel that when they sell their uh, socialist slavery and they sell their you know fantasies, it won't work because it won't be true. And we feel that if it's empty of truth, then they can't tell a good story. The left has gotten around this. And what I'm going to look at this week on Stuff I Like are good movies, entertaining movies that work because they're packed with leftist lies. What the left does is it changes the values of things. To make, to make the movie work, to make the story work, it simply changes reality to look like a leftist fantasy. So this first one is V, v for Vendetta, 2005 dystopian political thriller. It was written by the Wachowski brothers, famously uh, did... Um, what, what? Sorry? The Matrix, of course. The Matrix films, and then changed their sexes, both of them, one of them, one of them changed their sexes, very strange guys. Um, but they, this V for Vendetta is based on a, a comic book, and it's about a fascist society, just like The Handmaid's Tale. And V is the guy who wears a mask and in honor of um, November 5th, the, uh, the 5th of November, uh, he, he's going to take down the fascist world. And here he is introducing himself to a working class girl. I can assure you, I mean you no harm. Who are you? Who? Who is but the form following the function of what? And what I am is a man in a mask. Well, I can see that. Of course you can. I'm not questioning your powers of observation. I'm merely remarking upon the paradox of asking a masked man who he is. Oh, right. But on this most auspicious of nights, permit me then, in lieu of the more commonplace soubriquet, to suggest the character of this dramatis persona. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. The only verdict is vengeance. So, I can... oh, so you see in the background, if you're not watching, you see in the background the cross that is the symbol of the oppressive government. And we know that they are being incredibly mean to the nice Muslim people. And we know this because, and, and gays, of course, are being just destroyed. And Stephen Fry, the great comedian, plays a secretly gay journalist who has a house, a room in his house, where he keeps all the banned stuff, including this. Here's Stephen Fry. What is that? It's a copy of the Quran, 14th century. Are you Muslim? No, I'm in television. <laughs> but why would you keep it? I don't have to be Muslim to find the images beautiful or it's poetry, movies. But is it worth it? I mean, if they found that here. I told you, you'd be the least of my worries. He doesn't have to find it. He finds it beautiful, the imagery when they throw me off the building and when they hang me for being gay from this. But it's the Christians. All they do is they change the values of things. So it's the Muslims who are beautiful. Their poetry is inspiring. It's the Christians who never did an inspiring thing except hang gay people. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. So the picture is quite entertaining. I mean, I remember I saw it when it came out with a couple of teenagers and they were absolutely enthralled by it. It ends. Now I'm going to give a spoiler. So please, uh, if you don't want to hear the spoiler, turn off. It ends 
with a group of people wearing masks blowing up parliament. The mother of all parliaments, the British parliament, the mother of freedom in the modern world, masked people blowing it up. And that's the anti-fascist statement by changing all the values of things. They turn everything around until finally it becomes heroic to wear a mask, to hide who you are and blow up parliament. The one place where freedom was basically cradled through the French Revolution, through the you know Inquisition, through the Nazis. That's where freedom lived. It kept itself alive. But somehow in V is for Vendetta, where all the values are changed, all the values of real life are changed, an entertaining film is made where you make the argument for blowing up Christianity, blowing up Parliament in order to wear a, hide yourself behind a mask. And everybody's wearing the same mask, so they all look exactly the same. You know, So everybody becomes the same to blow up freedom, to blow up freedom. And those are the masks that the occupiers wore and occupy during the Occupy Wall Street movement. I got a bunch of films like this. They're really, really good at this. They make you pay for the propaganda. I'm going to call it there, I think. That's enough, enough talking. But tomorrow we have Christina Hoff Summers to come on and talk about the, the, the feminist fantasy. This is going to be all feminism all the time because we know how badly women are under threat under this the trouncing of the Donald Trump administration that is destroying women's rights wherever they live. It's just snuffing, them, snuffing those rights out everywhere. We will see you again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show.